You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. What we are doing this morning is we're going to trample on the devil. So much so that he's going to feel it. He, you know, the moment you step foot off your bed and you hit the ground, the devil should wake up and go, Oh no, they're awake. I'm in trouble. That's what we're going to do here this morning. So are you ready? I want to start with a st- Are you ready? Yeah. Awesome. I want to I want to start with a with a story. Um I was taking my little boy to school one day and it's so good. I had my audio Bible on and I was listening. It was in Matthew and Judah's at the back and Judah's like, "Daddy, this is the Bible." I was like, "Yeah, I'm listening. This is I'm in Matthew." He goes, Matthew, Daddy, I'm. Why are you in Matthew? I'm. I'm already ahead of you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Realize that he's in the holidays that we've been off. He's read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John up to Acts in a month, and he's six. And I'm like, wow. And he's like, and you're only on Matthew. I'm like, oh, son, that's not how it works. It's not right to read. You got to read again. Anyway, I was like, so what are you up to? And he goes, oh, I'm reading. We're reading. I'm, I'm up to the part where 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 Peter walked and healed the the the. The layman, the beggar, he healed someone. I said, "Oh yeah, Peter and Silas. That's true." And they walked up and 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 they did that. And he turns around and goes, "That wasn't Silas." And I'm like, "Yes, it was." Peter and Silas walked in and healed the guy. And he's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, in my head, I'm like, "Son, are you challenging your father in this?" Like, I've been in the Word for 15 years. You've been alive for six. Like, I've done Bible class. Like, are you serious? And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have to correct my son. I want to do it in such humility that I don't hurt him, you know. And I just want him to know that I love him. So we we got to the school, and I said, "Son, let me show you. I want to show you." Just and, and you know, because I really, I honestly thought it was Silas. Like in my head, I was convinced, right? I, someone needs to go back to Bible college, and um. We, we, we pulled over and I showed him, I'm like, look, son, it says here, Peter and, and, and the word John, like, magically appeared there. I'm like, where? You weren't there last time I, it is John. No, it's John. Yeah, you're right, son. It's so, I'm so sorry. You're right. You're right. And, and Judah looked at me with his cute little six-year-old face. He goes, daddy, I think you need to read the Bible again. <laughs> I was so convicted by my boy rebuked, but I honestly believed it was true. Like, have you ever had a moment in life where you just, you just thought it was true? Like, no matter what anyone said, this was truth. This is what I believe. And in that moment, I believed it was absolute truth. You know, Romans 1.25 says this, people have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And this morning, I'm excited because what we're about to do, what we're about to do this morning is we're actually going to expose some lies that the devil has been speaking over your life and my life, and we're going to reveal truth where lies have been spoken. The title, if you're writing notes for this, is Exposing the Lies That We Believe. And, and this is a very vulnerable sermon for me because I'm going to share some stuff that I've gone through, some lives I, lives I have believed and how God has helped me expose them to be able to stand true in His Word. So are you ready? Are you ready to stamp on the devil? Because all he wants to do is chain you up in that lie. And the Bible says, For whoever the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. So let's lay down some foundation. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Paul reminds us and he says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So I remember when I first read that passage, 
I went, Satan, what, what do you mean by he masquerades himself as an angel of light? See, he disguises himself to resemble something that he isn't. And he does it two ways. He does it with lies and deception. See, truth sets us free. We are free when we stop believing the lies that chain us to a false sense of reality. See, when lies become your truth, when you really believe these lies and you hold them as truth, it can be like living in the matrix. Do you remember that 1999 heat series, The Matrix? I got number one and two. I have no idea what happened in number three. It was like I walked out going, what happened? Like, but like in the matrix, they, it feels real, right? Like they thought they were living in this real world. You know, we are so caught up in some lies that it just seems so true. It feels true, so it must be true. And the enemy wants to keep you chained to this false reality that's not really true. And when he does that, you're plugged into the matrix and you're never, ever, ever actually set free. You're bound by these lies and, 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 and your life will be led in that direction. You know, I've heard it said, your life is led in a direction of your greatest thought. And if your greatest thought is a lie, guess where your life is heading down? So this morning we're exposing some lies. See, John 8, this is what Jesus said about the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Say truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. The devil wants to do three things. I'm not going to give the devil a lot of airplay this morning. But, I, but you know what? He is an enemy. He is out there. And if we're not aware of it, he's going to take us down, right? So he wants to do these three things. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace, ultimately destroy your life. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. I've come to set you free from the ways of the enemy and have life and have it to the fullest. And this morning, my question is, is where are you living bound in your head that's not setting you free in how we live? So, my water's here. What I want to do is I want to be set free from this matrix. Who wants to be unplugged this morning? Who else wants to be unplugged this morning? I'm going to show you five areas where the devil hits the most. These five areas assemble our whole lives. If he can get us in these areas, he takes us out one by one, and we're going to start exposing. So the first area he wants to get is sin, in the area of our sin. I want to expose two main lies that revolve around this sin that we're fed. We have a lot of different lies, but I can think we can sum up in two. See, the devil does this. He goes, hey, don't worry about what you're doing. It's okay. It's okay, really, because compared to the guy next to you, you're a saint. Actually, compare it to those out there. You're actually doing okay. It's only a little sin. Don't worry. Just, just, just keep doing it. It's okay. That's lie number one, right? And the second lie he does is this. You know it's a sin and, and you want to deal with it. And then he goes, hey, don't say anything to anyone. Keep it to yourself. Because if they found out the truth, 
they're going to put you in You're going to feel shame. You're going to be full of guilt, and they're going to judge you. So keep it to yourself. And if you, if you believe those lies, you're trapped in this world of sin that you're like, I want to be free. I want to be free. But if I say something, they're going to think, I, I want to be free. But, but, and then there's another part. It's like, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Can I tell you, can I admit these, these lies for a moment? Sin is destructive. Period. Full stop. Exclamation mark. End of story. There is no good sin. There isn't. If you believe in the lie that it's okay, it's not. Because sin does these three things. It separates you from God. It holds you back from the race you're called to win. And destroys your relationships, your marriage, families, credibility. It's something we don't play with. Come on. Might be a hard message, but be loud with me. I want to make sure you're receiving this. No, 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 because the enemy wants to lie. But the truth is we're all sinners. We've all sinned. Romans tell us that we've all fallen short of God's glory. We all sinned. Actually, James says, if you say that, if you say we have no sin, we call him a liar. We are all sinners. Be free this morning to go, hey, you know what? We all sin. But, there's a but, say but. It's a pretty big but, and it's found in Romans 6, right? It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? No, we are those who have died to sin and can live no longer in it. We're sinners, but the truth is Jesus died for you and I, so our sin is placed on Jesus. His righteousness is placed on us. We are ever forgiven. We are ever set free. We don't have to live in the lie that we're the only ones struggling with that we are, but He set me free. But wait, does that mean that I live under grace that I can now keep sinning because the devil will turn around and go, hey, Leon, you know what? It's okay. I know the sin you're going through, but Jesus still loves you. Keep doing it. It, it, Don't do it, bro. (laughs) Good advice there. But he'll lie to you and say, hey, Jesus has forgiven you. It's okay. It's okay. Well, let's read on. In 6.11 goes, in the same way. He, he, he poor, he poor in this, okay? He's talking to the Romans, a place he wanted to go, he never could go. He goes, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil's desire. Do not offer any part of yourself to it as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourselves to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, you're under grace. Amen? Amen. So we need to make sure that we are making decisions today that we're going to stop the sin we're committing. Whatever it is, be set free to know you're saved by grace, but stop. Just stop. And yes, you know what? You might be in this room going, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, that's, that's exactly who I'm talking to. Because we, 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 we like to believe the lie of like, oh, but, but, but it's them. It's not me. It's, you know what the best thing is? If you're trapped in that lie of guilt and shame, can I tell you that he's come to take it all away? He's taken your guilt, your shame, and he's thrown it off. And he says in 1 John 8 to 9, he goes, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess, say confess, our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yesterday's sins, today's sins, and tomorrow's sins are all taken care of when he died on the cross and rose again. It's done. The best thing is, 
We don't have to live feeling shamed anymore because you know what it says in James? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. See, your past is done, but your future is bright and you can change it today. If you're struggling, don't believe the lie that everyone will judge you because when I started to confess my sins, not just to God, but to those I'm accountable with, freedom was brought into my life because the lie was exposed. All of a sudden I found out, hey, I'm not the only one going through this. Other people are going through it and they won the battle i can win this battle as well men guys the the area of pornography the biggest killer in the world for christian men today yes christian men don't feel shame because as a christian i had to come out with that as well and the devil's like don't 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 it's a don't you're not hurting anyone man can i tell you the moment I brought it into the light and exposed it for what it was. I received healing, not only forgiveness, but healing. And now I have the opportunity to help those who are bound in sin. Amen? Come on. Second area of our lives is the area of peace. Now, this is something, if you ask my wife, it's been a long journey for me. Because unlike most people, well, I think I'm like everyone else, I tend to worry 99% of the time. Yeah? Anyone else worry? Anyone else worry? No one. A couple of people. Okay. You guys can pray for me because I worry a lot. (laughs) We all worry. But you know what? Worrying is a game that we play all the time, and it's got two rules. We play the worry game. Do you want to hear about this worry game? It's two rules when you play this game. If you want to worry, this is what's going to happen. The first rule is, it's always going to be the worst case scenario. Period. Yeah? The second rule is, is that you always lose. It's a terrible game. Why would we play this game? But we do it, right? I want to show you some of my worries that I've, I've struggled with. I, I, I believe things like, 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 I live in I live in Maryland and I don't um, have like you know what what if someone breaks in in the middle of the night? What if someone breaks in the middle of the night and 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 and, and I wake up and I hear and I get a bat and and I smack and, and I hit them but then I hit them and then they go down and then I get arrested because I hit someone and then I go to jail and then I won't see my family again. Oh my God! What if I had worst case scenario and I always lose? What about this one? Oh my gosh! What if we what if what if my wife and I lose our jobs? Like what if none of you you all show up next week? And I'm without a job. Like, what if she loses it? Don't. Come back next week. Okay, I'm joking. But, but what if we lose it? This is a real thought that I've gone through. What if we lose our jobs and then I can't get work? Like, what would I do? What, like, would have to move out? Like, would be homeless? I'm going to be homeless? Oh, my gosh. Like, I, and I'm not lying. This is, I've thought this. Worst case scenario, and I've never won. I shared with the 9 a.m. crew that I got to a point where I was so worried that I'm a guitarist in this church, and I left the amp on once, and uh, I, I went home in bed, and it was 8.30, whatever, and I'm like, babe, I left the amp on, and what, 
what if it burns down the beer? So I literally Googled what would happen if you left your amp on, all this stuff. And like, you know, that's not the best thing to do. Like Google and like, I've got a disease. What does Google say? Oh my gosh, I'm dying. You've got the flu, right? Don't Google that stuff. But I was so worried that the, we were, my response, I'm going to burn the beer down. I'm going to burn this place. So I called Tim. I messaged Tim, like, you know, not to check. I'm like, hey, bro, how you doing? Hey, quick question. Like, you know, the amps, do they overheat? Like, you know, I'm just trying to like make it seem so cool and stuff. I'm panicking, and he goes, do you want me to go to church and check on your amp? I'm like, really? I'm like, yes, I'll do it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a legend. Came back, hey, bro, you amp, like twice, actually, I did it. Oh, my goodness. Once the amp was off, and one, he's like, dude, stop it. Like, but, but man. <laughs> Worst case scenario, this place is burnt down, and I never win. We've all played that game, and it's time to stop. It's time to Stop. We can't live in this matrix of everything's out to get me and God's not really in control. This morning, I'm exposing this lie once and for all because God is in control. God is the creator of everything. He loves us. He's for us. He's not against us. I have nothing to worry about when God is on the throne. And in Philippians 4, 6, 9, it says, be anxious for nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. God, God saying, hey, GGC Life, don't worry about anything. Be anxious about nothing. But, there's that word again. Say but. It's a big but. It says but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But pray in everything. Pray with thanksgiving, with praise, with worship. Let it be known to Him. What happens? It says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and will guard our minds. See, situation might not change, but his peace changes me. I can be going through a storm and it's, I'm resting in that peace, but there's an exchange that needs to take place. You see, Heidi, I can't give you peace if you're still worrying about it. We need to exchange because worry and peace doesn't exist together, right? So an exchange needs to take place. And Jesus says in Matthew 6.30, do you want to know what the root of anxiety is? So simple. So simple yet so profound. I overlooked it for years. But it says, here, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not? Much more clothe you, O oh, man of little faith. The root of it is that we don't really trust God. I don't know about you, but that's in my life, I really don't at points, and that's why I worry. And I need to bring myself back to that place. I can stand in two parts. I can stand in the worry part, and guess what worry does? Nothing. Nothing but one thing draws you away from God. That's what worry does. And four times in this passage, Jesus tells us, I didn't, he goes in Matthew 6.25, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Matthew 6.27, which of any of you, by being anxious, can add, another, add, a, add a minute to his life? Matthew 6.31, therefore, do not be anxious. Matthew 6.34, therefore, do not be anxious. How many times does Jesus need to tell us before we start accepting it and living it? So what do I do? What does that mean? It means we need to exchange the lie for a truth. And my wife and I have done this. We, um, it was in a book I read. And it talks about having a trusting God box. Now, someone pointed out this morning that you are using a, um, 
I'm using a bocconcini tub <laughs> because we didn't have anything else in the house. So someone is blessing me with one, yes, this week. It's a trusting God box. And this is the concept. Do you want to hear it? I've shared this with my connect group and I want to share it with you. And I pray that you take this into practice. So what you do is whenever you're worried about something you cannot change, write your worry on a piece of paper just like this and put it in your box. Now here's the catch. Once it's in your box, it becomes God's property. Okay? His responsibility, it's not yours anymore. And it never was ours. But anyway, it's not ours. It's His. The moment you give your problem to Him, you're not allowed to worry about it. That's the rule. You can't worry about it at all. If you do, you physically have to go back to the box, pick up the worry, take it out of God's concern, take it upon yourself again and go, God, I really don't trust you and walk away. Now, my wife and I started this a couple of days ago. It's fresh. But I was saying to her, I feel so peace with the worries that are in here. Like, it's really set me free. And I can't bear to say to God, I don't trust you. I'm going to walk away. You know, my daughter's been sick. I'm going to, next point, but she, she's been sick. And she's had con- conjunctivitis. It's just, and, ugh. and we had to put eye drops in her eyes. And I go, honey, I've got to put this eye drop in your eye. And she's like, no, daddy, no, no, it hurts. I'm like, honey, just trust me. My, mommy and daddy want to help you. Like, this is going to help you. Please trust us. Like, we only want what's best. No, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't. I'm like, do you trust me? She's like, no idea what's going on. To the point where we couldn't do it. And her eye just grew and grew and grew and was so swollen. She couldn't open or close. And she's like this. And it was just so, and we took it to the doctors. And my heart broke. I'm like, child, I will never hurt you. And God showed me that moment. Hey, how often do I say that to you, son? And you won't listen. And guess what happens? Your life will become this one big puffy thing and you're trying to go everywhere else to get it fixed. You just have to listen to my voice. Number three. Is this all right? Is this helping someone this morning? All right, the third area of our lives he wants to go after is our relationships. And how? By turning friends into enemies. Those we love and trust into those we don't love and trust anymore. Like, think about... Think about the, th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back into my world. I want to share something that I've thought. But have we ever had thoughts like this? No one cares about me. No one, no one cares. Like, no one cares. I didn't come to church for two weeks. No one called me. No one messaged me. See that church? They don't love me. See, that church is evil. They just want my money. I don't like that church. Blah, blah, blah. That means God doesn't love it. And that- Anyone thought that? Well, just me. Yeah. Good, good. I, this, is, this is, I'm repenting. Um, this, this is I faced just recently. Why doesn't this person, this is literally just recent, not recent, but anyway. So why doesn't this person like me? I thought we were friends. Like they don't text, they didn't call. Like I put something on Facebook and they didn't like what I put, but they liked that person's post. What about my post? And then they shared their photo. Mine was even more spiritual than theirs. Theirs was a beach. They must not like me. They don't like me. Oh, oh my gosh, they don't like me fine. You know what? I won't like you too. I won't like any of you. Like, yeah, yeah. This prison that we live in and he wants to kill relationships. And you know what I've decided to do? So what if they don't like me? So what? So what? God loves me. And the truth is, 
they do not not like you. They do like you. We're a church who love people, right? You know, we do. I love you. Hopefully you love me. Like, if you don't know me, you'll learn to love me. And um, the thing is, we need to drop that because offense will come in and will destroy you and I. God, Satan's plan is to isolate you. He just wants to take you out by how? Isolation. You see, when the wolf goes after a sheep, does it go after when it's in a pack? It goes after when the sheep is alone and the sheep is not coming to church for a while and the sheep and then the lies come in and then he attacks and then they believe something that's not true as is to be true. And we're not heading down that path, are we? We're not doing that at all. I'm going to cut this lie. The truth is that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to kill relationships. But you know what? As hurt people, we hurt people. The best thing is, is forgiveness is freely given. When I realize how much I'm loved, I'm loving. And I found this quote on Facebook. Have you ever asked yourself why some families hold together and others fall apart? It's a good question. Well, I found the answer. And I went, okay, what's the answer? It was a quote by Jensen Franklin, who I really admire. And it says this, it takes a lot of love and forgiveness to hold a family together. Love never fails. Keep on forgiving, keep on loving, keep on reaching, keep on talking. These are words we should live by church. The Bible says that we are a family. And you know what? When you're in families, families fight and families can hurt each other. You know what? I probably have hurt you and you've hurt me. Not because we've wanted to hurt, but because I might have walked past Sarah and I didn't say hi. And Sarah's like, he didn't say hi. Why doesn't he say hi? And all of Like that's how the devil wants to get in. But if we just continue loving, if we just continue forgiving, if we're always just doing that, all of us, not just one guess what the devil has no room to get into our thought lives in Ephesians 4 1 it says we are to walk with humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit the bond of peace who wants to tick off the devil okay Romans 12 10 if you want to take it to the next level and really tick him off, it says this. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo each other by showing honor. Outdo one another. Honor the person. Honor him. And not because you want to win approval, but just, you know what, devil, I'm sticking it to you because I'm going to go forward. You're not holding me back. You ready for the next one? Is this all right? You wouldn't tell me if it wasn't, would you? <laughs> jokes number four he goes after your identity have you ever had these thoughts i don't have what it takes i can't do this i'm not good enough someone else should be doing this like again welcome to my mind <laughs> this is like inside out live this is what i think <laughs> everyone who has kids knows what i'm talking about i've stuffed up too much how can i possibly be doing what god's called me to do i'm not good enough i'm not worthy enough hey why doesn't someone else do it you know how many times I've thought these thoughts? Like, why am I called to be a pastor? Why am I called to preach? There's so many more gifted, better people out there than me. And then the enemy lies to you. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you should hold back. Maybe you should refrain. Maybe don't give it all you got. Maybe, maybe. And then he makes you start to compare. And, well, look how good Leon is. Wow, Leon led worship so much better. Like, he hit the keys that you can never hit, Sal. Why even try? Oh, yeah, you're so right. And Nathan, wow, that guy is a, Why even try, Sal? Oh, you're right. And all of a sudden, we start comparing. I've heard it said, the way to lose something special is by looking at someone else and loving what they've got. I used to... 
I love what I do, but the moment my eyes are fixed on something, it goes, oh, but they get to do this and this and what about devil wins. And we're going to stop that, aren't we? We're going to break that lie. Acts 4.13 is one of my favorite encouraging verses. And it says, now they, it's talking about Peter and John, because Silas wasn't around at this point. Um, now they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. And they marveled. They were like, wow, look how good they're doing. They marveled because they were ignorant and unlearned. And, and, and they had been, and they acknowledged, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus now that word ignorant doesn't actually mean ignorant. It's, it's the word in the Greek called um, idiotes, which is literally where we get the word idiot from. That's exact, so, so you know what? I look at that and I get excited because I'm like, you know what? Thank God that some people might perceive me to be some idiocia, some idiot guy who doesn't know what he's like. Like, you know what? I've been called idiot my whole life in high school that I'm no good. You know what? If the devil's lying and say you're an idiot, an idiot, I'm like, I'm in good company then because they called Peter an idiot. They called John an idiot and they saw miracles like never before. One walked on water. If that's what an idiot can do with Christ, then let me be an idiot with Christ. Amen. Come on. But you know what the truth is? You're not an idiot. Actually, you're, not, not, you're furthest away from an idiot because you're created in the image of God himself. He lives inside of you. He has called you. He has equipped you. That is who you are. And that is, is who I am. You know, I, I never wanted to do this. I never wanted this. I didn't want this. I failed, almost failed my HSC, not given a speech in front of you 12s yeah you 12 and i said god i never want to do i i wasn't even a christian i go i am not doing this never want to speak in front of people again you know what god does he uses your insecurities to do things he's called you to be look at moses's life he called him to lead a people now when i mean a people i mean a million people Imagine you being asked to lead a million people, and then, and then you're like, oh my gosh, but who am I that I should go? A million people? I don't, actually, God, who am I that I should go? And then God tells him his whole plan. He literally lays out, like, don't you wish you were just to go, hey, God, just tell me how it ends for my life, please. <laughs> just tell me what next year looks like. And he doesn't. He just goes, just take the next step. I'm like, just tell me, and then I will trust you. And he's like, no, just trust me, and then I will show you. I'm like, fine. But with Moses, he literally tells him, because, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to see signs. You're going to see miracles. And then you're going to be released. You're actually going to enter the promised land. That's exactly what's going to happen. He literally tells him. And what does Moses say? Well, what if they don't believe me? Oh, I'm not eloquent. Please send someone else. And by then, the Bible says God's anger kindled. Man, I would be ticked off too if I was God. Actually, if I was God, I would have been like, you know what, Moses? I'll use someone else. You're telling me you wouldn't do the same? Like, you know, you choose a leader. I can't do it. I can't do it. Fine. You want to do it? All right, let's do it. Like, but God is so gracious that every time we say, I can't, I can't, he goes like, I, you can, you can, you can. I'm not giving up on you. Other people might have, but I ain't giving up on you. I made you. I called you. I've gifted you. You've called for a purpose. Just trust. Let's keep walking. Amen. You can clap. You know, my expertise is encouragement, apparently. I have the gift of encouragement over my life. And I just love bringing the best out of you. 
and anyone I meet. Because you're welcome. <laughs> Herman is one of our most amazing, anointed, prophetic worship leaders in this place. Every time he speaks and leads worship, it's like you see into the unseen and you draw what's unseen and make it seen for us, bro. So true. You're amazing. We're good at encouraging one another sometimes. Like my kid, I always, like he knows he's amazing. Like if you've ever met Judah, he's amazing. Like some, someone called him and uh, we were on the phone. I don't know how it happened. On the phone or someone said, oh, how are you, Judah? And he's like, he was being sick all week. He goes, I'm amazing. And... <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I'm going to share this. Rebuke me. Um, and my wife's like, oh, I don't like that he says he's amazing. Like, but he's sick. I don't want him to, th- you know, no, no, to think, you know, he doesn't have to say that he's amazing if he's not. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, I thought about it. I didn't tell you this and don't yell at me. Maybe I'm. <laughs> he's not talking about his feelings. He just knows he's amazing, whether he feels like it or not, which is so good. And that challenged me. But I speak over his life all the time. But when's the last time I looked in the mirror and said, Sal, you're amazing? When's the last time you looked at yourself and went, I'm pretty good. The Lord has made and looked down upon me and said, Aya, this is good. <laughs> and it's not a vain, boastful thing. I'm not saying take your shirt off and like, oh. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But stand in the mirror and go, you are created in the image of God. He has chosen you. You are called for such a time as this. Actually, you have all you need because Christ lives in you. You know, we're good at talking ourselves out of things. We need to start talking ourselves into things and into what God has called us. Amen. I want to finish with this. The last area he gets us in. See, the devil is, I don't want to say he's smart because he's dumb for picking on the chosen people of God and thinking he can win. Like, hello, if I were, you know, you've lost, stay down. But he's cunning, all right? He, he's a bit clever. So, so what he does, he doesn't, he doesn't get you from the outset of, like the next part is faith, right? He attacks our faith. But he doesn't do it the moment you get saved or the, he doesn't do it when you're there. He does it when he's worn you down bit after bit. Believe in the lies that you're a sinful creature and God doesn't love you. He takes you down by saying, where's you down by going, Worry, 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 worry. God can't, God can't. We think all these. It takes you down by making people hate you and you isolate yourself. And then all of a sudden, once he's worn you down, guess what he goes after? Your faith. God can't be true then. And that word that someone spoke over me, I can't, I don't see it. I start to doubt, I start to doubt, I start to doubt, I start to doubt. And these are the lies I've believed. Can I, can God actually do it? He's given me a dream. Haven't seen it fully come to pass, can he? Is he the God who he says he is? Like, I, I'm still a Christian. We're still saved, but we have doubts. And, and, and the lie he wants to say to us is this. It, it's, you can't be a Christian and have doubts and go to Jesus. Because Jesus will he'll shine you away. And, and so all of a sudden, you're, you're sitting in your seat full of doubt. And you don't know where to turn to because I can't go, like, but the, God knows everything anyway. You see, doubt isn't the opposite of faith. It doesn't mean you don't fully believe. It just means you doubt. But we can't live in doubt. Doubt is the weight that we need to drop. We need to have full faith, full assurance without doubt. But what if you are doubting? Can I just share two examples of what two different men did with doubts and how that was set free? Is that okay? 
the band can come up. The first one's found in Mark chapter 9, 21. Now imagine this, picture the story. This is dad and his son's been possessed by the devil or a demon. The demon's in his son and he's just desperate. Any parents in this place? Imagine that if your boy or girl. I, desperate. Like my kid had the flu and I was desperate. Imagine this. And he comes up and, and Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And he says, from childhood, he answered. It has thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and please help if you can. Can you? Have you ever asked that of God? Can you really take this? Can you really do? And I love Jesus' reply. He goes, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately, say immediately. Immediately from the one word of Jesus the boy explained, I do believe, but help me overcome my disbelief. Help me. Another, and, 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 and Jesus heals the boy. Demon goes, set free. But I love that the doubt didn't stop him from going to Jesus. Didn't stop him. Because Jesus never rejected him. Another person we'll talk about is Thomas. And we'll call him Doubting Thomas. But you know what? Mr. Doubting Thomas actually got something right. You see, he doubted. And in and, and, and his doubt, I believe he's shown us what we can do with our doubt. You see, Jesus had been risen. Everyone's talking about it. Vanessa, Jesus, he's come back. He rose from the dead. Can you believe it? I do, but I don't. I actually need to, I need to put his hands. If you're saying what he's saying is true, I need to experience this myself. I need to go up to Jesus and put my fingers in. I need to do something. I don't believe you. And, and then we have this encounter and he said to Thomas, Jesus, Jesus appears in the, in the room and he goes, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out. Hey, you don't believe? Come, reach out. And then he touches. And then he says, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And he goes, you've believed because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. See, I love that Jesus didn't angry with Thomas about his doubt. He said, come. He's inviting you to experience him. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.